This episode is supported by Gold Stack Accounts, the genuinely lovely accountant you need in your life. Masters of Zero, Free Agent, and QuickBooks, they somehow make it fun to sort your freelance finances. Set up a free chat today at goldstackaccounts.com slash being freelance. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for email conversion strategist, Iman Ismail. I left that job on the Friday and by Monday I was working in a windowless basement with my first in-cars client and actually my CEO from that company that I'd just left an hour after my final shift he actually sent me a text saying hey could we hire you as a freelancer please. <laughs> what I wanted to do was be there more for my son, be more present which I am, to take him to nursery every day and to pick him up from nursery every day which I am, to be able to join in with all the nursery stuff which I do and actually I have found my own work-life balance being the parent that I wanted to be so if it means that I have to work weekends I'm okay with that I just really believe as well that if you don't ask you'll never get so and the worst that someone can say is no yeah, so there is Iman, whose story I can't wait for you to hear coming up in a moment. This is one that we recorded before lockdown, quite a way before. So we don't reference it. In fact, we talk about co-workspaces and dropping kids at nursery, speaking, doing workshops with actual people in a room. Iman is a member of the Being Freelance community. Come join us and other freelancers from around the world. You're not alone being freelance particularly right now if you're listening to it as we go out during the coronavirus situation. So please come join us. We have lots of fun, but we have lots of support. We have regular things like the book club, the pub quiz, the awards, the live Q&A. We had John Asperian on very recently, which is well worth re-watching. Even though you missed it live, you can go back and watch the replay of that one. So yeah, please come find us. Follow the link to the community at beingfreelance.com. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for this week's guest. Hey, Iman. Hi. Iman is in the Being Freelance community. She won Non-Employee of the Week not that long ago. But you know what? I am I still don't know all of your story. Uh, I, I see what happens now, but I don't know how you got to what you're doing. Which, mm. So I can't wait to hear that. How about we get started with that? How did you get started being freelance? It, it's a long story. Are you, are you ready for this? <laughs> Absolutely. Most of us are in quarantine. Go for it. Right. Okay. So I was working... Um, I was working for a local TV station as a production assistant and my son would have been about 10, 11 months old at that point. And I enjoyed what I was doing there, but I knew that it wasn't a forever thing. I just, the opportunity kind of came and I thought, well, that sounds cool. Let me, let me try it. So I did. And it wasn't until they had me writing scripts that I thought I really do want to write. I knew that I always wanted to to write, but I just didn't believe that I could get paid for being a writer. So I thought, okay, I really I have to do this now because I've wanted to do this for a really long time. So I started looking for other opportunities. I did apply for a few jobs, but my main, the thing I wanted most was to become a, a business owner and to do it myself and to not have a manager over me and to be able to kind of, you know, have a flexible working life for my son and that kind of thing. So I did start setting up a business while also applying for jobs. And I guess my primary thing was I wanted to do the business, but I didn't have confidence that it was going to work out, to be honest. So that's why I was applying for jobs on the side. Uh, But I did set up a business. I had one called Golden Ink House and the website was done. I had the domain goldeninkhouse.com and I ran it by a friend and he said, you need to drop the golden. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> yeah, so I said, what's what's wrong with the golden? I've already got, I've already got my domain. It's goldeninkhouse.com. To which he replied, well, there's a reason you were able to get goldeninkhouse.com. No one else wants it. So I thought, okay, well, I'll drop the golden. <laughs> I took his piece of criticism. I dropped the golden and we were left. Hang on. Go, go, golden ink isn't some sort of euphemism that I've not heard of or something. What, no. what made him so sure? Okay, well, I, well the thing is, I, I wanted the golden because I thought it kind of represented, you know, this golden standard of service that I was going to give all my clients. And so my branding was all gold and everything was all gold. And and he was just like, that sounds awful. Like golden ink house sounds awful. He actually says it sounds like a business owner trying to be a business owner. That's what he said. So, ah. so. So I thought, okay, well, I'll take that and I'll go with Inkhouse because I did prefer it um, as well. So 
I, <laughs> yeah, so I went with Ink House and I then changed my domain to inkhouse.org.uk and I did have um, a logo done for me for free and it just, it wasn't great. So I decided to invest in actually getting a designer to do a proper logo for me. Um, and he did, and he did a really good job. And that's the logo I have now. But actually, I the site was up and everything was ready. And then I got a call to go in for an interview at another job. So I did. And I got that job. And that job was to run the comms department for a, a food charity up in Yorkshire. And so I took it because... I knew that I wanted to be a business owner. I just, I didn't feel ready to. So I kind of parked Ink House and put my all into this job basically. And I did think that, I I thought I'd be there for a while, but it just, it didn't work out. I was commuting an hour uh, by car every day. And so I'd leave my house at 8 a.m. And by the time I got home, it was 8 p.m. I was still nursing my son at that time. I had to hire a childminder to go pick him up from nursery because I couldn't do the nursery pickups. And it was really upsetting because I'd get home and he'd refuse to to go to sleep in his in his cot because he'd wait up for me and he he couldn't wait up for me because he was so tired. So we'd end up falling asleep on the couch. So every night I'd come in and be devastated that I missed him again and that he'd fallen asleep and I'd you know pick him up from the sofa and take him upstairs to his cot and it was really difficult. And then it wasn't until. Um, it was actually Ramadan when I was I was fasting from dawn until sunset every day. And this was in the summer. So this was like what August, no, July, I think, 2018. So uh, bear in mind, <laughs> you can't eat or drink between the hours of sunrise and sunset. So I'd be eating at like 10 o'clock at night and, and I was still commuting to Yorkshire every day. And I just thought, I think I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> I can't. <sighs> I, can't, I might actually die. I can't do this anymore. I was physically exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. I felt like I was missing so much of my son's life. And I just really had to reflect. And I just thought, you know, I'm working because I really want to create this better life for him. But actually, I, I'm not seeing him as much as I need to. And I was also working evenings and weekends and, and not being paid for that, to be honest. And so I sat down with my CEO at the time and had a discussion with him. And I told him, I'm finding this really difficult. Um, my job would allow me to work from home. Will you consider that? And that's just not what he wanted for his company. So he said no to that, which I respected. And then I I resigned. <laughs> so I had a month's notice to work. So I did that month's notice. And, and in that time, I went back to the Ink House website and got everything set up. I started writing up my copy so that the website was ready. I put out some feelers and kind of told everyone on LinkedIn that I was about to leave my job. And, you know, if anyone is looking for a freelance copywriter, um, I can help because that's what I'm going to do full time, self-employed. And it, it worked out. I left that job on the Friday. And by Monday, I was working in a windowless basement with my first Ink House client. And actually, my CEO from that, that company that I'd just left, an hour after my final shift, he actually sent me a text saying, hey, could we hire you as a freelancer, please? <laughs> <laughs> so so he became my, he became my client as well. Um, so yeah, and that's, that's how we got to where we are today. That was in September 2018. Um, so I have now been a freelance copywriter for a year and a half. So how long were you at the charity? Just over a year. Bearing in mind that previous to that, you you weren't a copywriter as such. No. Do you feel like you learned a lot while you were in that role? So much. I learned so much. And I was actually a little upset about taking the job in the first place because, I mean, the job sounded great, but it kind of proved to myself that I didn't believe in myself, that I could, you know, create this business that I'd always wanted so I was a little disappointed in myself at the time but I just looking back it was so necessary because I learned so much so quickly and I don't think I would have learned all that I learned had I been doing that myself I I think it was really necessary I needed to be there so how did you go about getting your first freelance clients other than (laughs) other than the charity itself who suddenly realized they needed you after all Yes. So LinkedIn, actually, Um, I again, I posted on LinkedIn and I just said, look, I am looking for clients. I'm a freelance copywriter now. If you need one, if you need help with your marketing, get in touch. And because I was already in the charity sector, I'd made a lot of connections on LinkedIn with people from other charities. And, And interestingly, it turns out that one of my one of the first people that contacted me on the back of those posts actually said, oh, I've been, I've 
been looking at the the copy that you know the charity that you've just left has been producing so I, I was interested in the person who was writing that copy and <laughs> yeah and and so we'd, we'd be interested in working with you and actually I had two different charities who came to me and offered me a kind of full-time job and and again it was that thing where I had to think okay well I could do that and go with the stability which to be honest was really seductive and enticing and then I thought you know just just give yourself a chance like this is what I've always wanted to do and I didn't want it to be over before it even started so I said no to those opportunities and one of them just kind of said okay well we are looking for a full-time person and they went their own way which was fine and the other said okay that's fine we'd like to hire you as a freelancer instead. Cool now one thing is that you were obviously saying, I'm a freelance copywriter. Here I am. Come hire me. But I introduced you at the beginning as a freelance email conversion strategist. So somewhere along the line, you've niched. I have. I have. So I now work on email conversion strategy and, and copy. And that came about because when I first started freelancing, one of the first things I wanted to do was build my own mailing list. And I did. So I built my email list and I really loved writing my emails to my own list. And I had a lot of clients that would ask me to write emails for them. And it was just, it was part of the job that just, I really enjoyed and it made me really happy to do. And it got to the point where, you know, I send emails to my to my email list and I get people responding and laughing with me and telling me how much they enjoyed the email and sharing the email with people. And I, I would meet up with a couple of my friends who happened to be on my email list as well. And they tell me how much they enjoyed it. And I just thought, well, I really enjoy this. Other people seem to really be enjoying this. So you know, this is what I want to do. And initially, I was a little bit scared to niche down uh, because I guess you worry that you're going to lose out on work. But I found it's gone really well. And this is a new thing. So this is this has only happened in the past few months. So it's still new. I mean, I've always been doing emails, but now to actually be putting myself out there and saying, I, I only do email is, is a big, is a big thing. I also do sales pages though, because I work on a lot of launches. So yes, I'm writing the email sequence for those launches, but then the client usually needs a sales page to go with the email. So I do still do a bit of web copy and that's how that fits in. Mm. You said you built your list. How did you go about building your own list? Oh, I'm really aggressive <laughs> with my list building. <laughs> so one of the, the very first thing I did was build a lead magnet, which most people do. So I have an ebook uh, called Six Secrets to Writing Web Copy That Converts that people can download, uh, but they have to give me their email address to get my ebook. And then once that ebook started going out, I started screenshotting the responses and the positive reviews that I was getting about that lead magnet and posting it on my social media so that, you know, other people would get FOMO and think, oh, actually, I want to join up for that and get that ebook I regularly post about my lead magnet on social media there's three or four posts that go out a week and in fact actually this is so effective because I think it was on Sunday I kept getting notifications that people had signed up to my list I think it was like four people in the space of about half an hour which I found really weird and then I I looked on my social media and realized that I'd actually scheduled a post that I'd gone out and said hey do you know about my email list sign up here to get my free ebook and that's all it took for four people to to sign up they just needed to know about it Uh, so that's really effective Mm. and then little things like I have the pop-up on my website which actually brings in I did check recently I think it was about 62% of my email signups come from the pop-up on my website which is an exit pop-up so people see it when they're about to leave which some people you know disagree with but it's effective it works so I I've kept at that. But the other thing is when I talk to people and when people book inquiry calls with me on Calendly, I have a little checkbox at the bottom that says, would you like to join my my email list? You'll get my free ebook, Six Secrets to Writing Web Copy That Converts. And I get a lot of people signing in through that as well. Oh, it sounds good when it works, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, man, there's so much I want to ask you about. <laughs> every t- every time you open your mouth, you say something. I think, right, okay, remember to say that. <laughs> um, so one of them, from what you literally just said, was about inquiry calls and then using Calendly. Was that something that you set up from the beginning, or? Yes, it was. Um, not right from the beginning, but um, I got I got a mentor, which I I will probably need to talk about at some point because it just changed my career so dramatically. But um, 
I noticed that she was using Calendly and I thought, oh, well, if she's using this, it's probably a good idea. So <laughs> let me set myself up on Calendly. And once I started using it, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I I paid for the, the pro version pretty quickly, which I think is, it's, it's really affordable. And I've been using it ever since. And I just find it so useful. And so what do people do? They book in a, this is a, is it a free like inquiry type thing or? So I use it, for a couple of different things. So initially what I used to do was if somebody wanted to talk to me for whatever reason, I'd just say, hey, here's a link to my calendar. Please book a call and find a time that works for you. So they'd hit the link and then a list of questions would come up asking them, you know, about what they actually want to talk about. And I also added in one about budget because I spent so much time initially talking to people who didn't have the budget to work with me that I really wanted to qualify those inquiries a lot better so I added a question in there about budget and um, a few other details and then of course the would you like to sign up to my email list question but what I actually do now is I have a VA who takes over setting up that inquiry call thing basically so I wanted to add a bit of a human element and a bit of a human touch there so she now does that for me so she does exactly the same thing and just asks those qualifying questions and then decides whether we should kind of move forward into a discovery call and then she goes ahead and books that in for us all so you found the va but you let her choose like like you've trained her to think like you think to figure out whether or not a lead is worth pursuing yes exactly so we've spoken about my dream wish list my client wish list we've spoken about the maybes so we could potentially you know talk to these people and find out a bit more and see if it works and then the definite no's so the definite no's are really easy for her because she knows to not move forward with those the maybes you know she'll come to me and we'll have a chat and then the yeses are she just books them straight onto a call and they get an email or, or whatever from i know uh, your VA at Inkhouse Copyright, like as in it, it looks like it's coming from your company. Sort of yes, thing. yeah, exactly. So the email is hello at inkhouse.org.uk, which I had set up before the VA started. And I, I did initially set her up a, a third email. And then I thought that's just, it's just too much because that hello at Inkhouse email is everywhere. So if people want to email me, they'll probably email me on that first because that's the kind of general inquiry email. Um, And then I have my personal one, Imana Inkhouse, that I use for kind of qualified inquiries and clients. And yeah, so I've given her the hello at Inkhouse email to manage. And that's her email address. And she has her kind of name at the, the bottom of it. Cool. How have you found working with a VA? It's been interesting. <laughs> I, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to work for myself as well as the flexibility and all, all those kind of reasons was because I really enjoy just working by myself. I don't like relying on other people. I find it really hard to do that. So it's been a real experience letting go of that and actually letting someone into my business and see the inner workings of it. And I think there's definitely a a certain period of time where you're just kind of getting to know each other and and understanding how the other works. But it's been really good. I found it really helpful and I I wouldn't go back now from from having a VA. Hmm. Cool. And sorry, so um, that was one way that you use Canonly to to work back from where we diverted (laughs) off. So that's one way you use it. Yes. And the other ways I use it. I have a kind of website audit service that is a paid service. So if people want me to audit the copywriting on their website, they hit the Calendly link on that service page and then they're taken to the Calendly link and they have to actually pay then and there before they can, in order to book the audit. So I use the paid features as well, which I find really helpful. Brilliant. I told you, every time you say something, I, I end up coming back to it. So I've not forgotten the fact that you said the word mentor. So at what point did you uh, get a mentor and how did you find them? So when I was commuting to Yorkshire every day and just feeling like things needed to change, I wrote a post on LinkedIn saying, hey, I'm really looking to improve my copywriting skills. Can anyone you know, send me any resources? Because I had no idea how to get better or where to go to. So a friend of mine actually tagged John Esperian, who was 
obviously on your, on your podcast not oh, long yeah. ago. Yeah. So a friend of mine tagged John Asperian and then John Asperian then tagged Kate Toon and Belinda Weaver. And both of them commented on my post and said, hey, we both have communities. We both have courses and we've got a post- podcast too. So check out our podcast. So I did. So on those long commutes, especially when I was stuck in traffic, I used to listen to that podcast and I'm, I must have listened to every episode in about a month. And that podcast really gave me the confidence to, to feel like I, I could go and set up my own copywriting business. It's so practical and full of good um, tips, both mindset and actual, actually practical tips that you can put into, into practice. Um, so I went away and yeah, and learned everything I could from them. And then I was on Instagram one day and Belinda Weaver had posted a post there saying, my membership community is opening up. I coach copywriters to become confident copywriters. So I thought, oh, I'm never going to be able to afford this, but let me have a look at it. And as you do, I went onto the sales page and scrolled right down to the bottom to look at the the price. And it was so, so affordable. And so I canceled my LinkedIn premium account and switched it for Belinda Weaver's uh, copywriting community and, and joined. And that was I started freelance copywriting in September and I was in her group by November and that that really changed everything. In what way? What happened in there? I had no clue what I was doing at all. <laughs> I had zero clue. I didn't know how to manage clients. I The biggest issue that I had was around money. I didn't know how to charge, what to charge. I found it really difficult even talking about money with clients. I would find it difficult to send invoices as well and ask for my money and I just knew that if I carried on the way I was going I I wouldn't be able to the business wouldn't survive I used to charge hourly at that point and it, it just wasn't working and I just thought there has to be a better way there has to be something that I don't know and this is why I was already really keen to find someone to help me I just I didn't know where to look so when that opportunity cropped up I, I jumped at it and one of the first things I did after joining the community was I actually booked a private 30 minute coaching call with Belinda and in, and that was a big investment for me at that time because I wasn't making a lot of money actually at all and I remember telling one of my family members how much that 30 minute coaching call cost and she was just like mortified <laughs> but <laughs> I honestly made that back within I made it back 10 times over within two weeks of that call and she just helped me through how to set my rates, what I should be charging, um, how to feel about what I was charging. And one of the biggest and one of the greatest pieces of advice that she gave me that I've never forgotten is go look in the mirror and say your rate to yourself out loud. If it doesn't make you giggle, if you don't laugh out loud, it's not high enough. So keep going up, (laughs) keep going up until it makes you giggle. And I did that and it's worked for me ever since. That's so cool. So do, that was a one-off call. Have you continued that since then? Yeah. So I've been in that group for uh, almost a year and a half now. And it's it's so, so useful. So Belinda is firstly very active in the group. So it's very much a uh, question and answer. We kind of post stuff and she's always there responding. And she goes above and beyond as well. So it feels like she, she's your friend as well as your mentor, which is always really nice. And she posts three different pieces of, of content a month. So she she has a theme. It's very active. It's really practical. And then, of course, we have a coaching call at the end of every month as well. And I love being on those because that's when I really get to just chat to other copywriters. Um, but it's I'm actually in another group now as well that is run by Copy Hackers. And that came about really interestingly I I won a challenge and I won access to this three thousand dollar mastermind for a year whoa yeah yeah so you won it I won it and it's completely free (laughs) which is always a bonus so I am now part of copy hackers which is Joanna Weeb and Amy Posner's um, mastermind and coaching group and I am in this in this amazing Slack community with these amazing copywriters who are all doing so much better than me and are where I want to be in in a few years so it's, it's amazing to you know be around people that you really look up to and want to be like 
Wow. So I probably shouldn't ask this question, but it's a $3,000, what, a year? A year. Mastermind. Yeah. Clearly, that's a lot of money. Can you now see that it is worth that money, if you see what I mean? Like, it's that will make a lot of people go... <gasps> Yeah, I I would never have paid that simply because like just my my mindset wouldn't have allowed me to because I mean all the things that I could do with three thousand dollars I I'm thinking yeah. about my son I'm thinking about this and that and I'm I would never even have given myself to permission to kind of pay that amount but now that I'm in there I am already budgeting for it for next year so when this year runs out I will be part of that <laughs> community again <laughs> it's it's been amazing and the value is is there. I mean, as well as getting regular office hours with, with both coaches and being able to ask them questions, you have this amazing Slack community and you, you, you're building your network with all these copywriters that you've seen online and you, and you kind of think, oh, these I will never be friends with these people. And then suddenly you are and they share their ideas and their mistakes and their lessons and, and the inner workings of their business. And then on top of that, we actually have a course that is seven months long so we're we're getting course content fed to us every month as well as well as hot seat sessions monthly it just the value is insane it really is and a hot seat session would if I'm right would be where you specifically talk about your business to everybody and they help you would that be right yes exactly so there are chosen panelists so two of the two of the coaches are two of the panelists and then there are another three panelists from the community people that have volunteered to be a, a panelist and then you actually get up for, and talk about an issue that you're having in your business and you are then put on mute so you can't comment anymore or join in the conversation and then those five panelists talk about you and your business and try <laughs> yeah for 20 minutes and try to give you um, and give you great advice basically but the, the key thing is that you're expected to then do something about it. So there's the accountability aspect as well, where afterwards you then have to post in the accountability group in our, in our Slack channel about how you plan to actually put into action uh, what people have recommended. Flipping egg. How do you fit everything in? How do you sort of remain productive? Because there's a lot of work. There's. It sounds like there's a lot of building on your business. There's a lot of being in community and learning. You have a family how how do you fit everything in it's really hard and i've i have really struggled but one of the great things that i've learned from the from 10xfc the copy hackers mastermind is to theme my days so on a monday i'm dedicated to learning so i have dedicated time to to learn from one of my many courses <laughs> so that I can hopefully eventually get through all of them um I I split I split some of the day as well for client work and then Tuesdays and Wednesdays are solely for client work Thursdays are marketing Thursdays so I'm focusing on marketing my business and I promised myself this year that I would cold pitch more so that is my day to put myself out there and cold pitch to someone um, for an opportunity that I really wanted to do but haven't for whatever reason put myself forward for and then Fridays are content Fridays where I work on my own content and that means that I know every week how many hours I have for client work so I book that in beforehand and I book that in to fit in with my theme days and again I just realized that you know I, I tried this whole thing of not working weekends I tried it for a really long time because I thought that was what I was supposed to do and I thought it meant I was a bad parent and a bad business owner if I did work weekends but actually I realized that you know what I wanted to do was be there more for my son be more present which I am to take him to nursery every day and to pick him up from nursery every day which I am to be able to join in with all the nursery stuff all the the stay stay in plays and the nursery trips which I do regularly and I realized that actually I have found my own work-life balance and I am being the parent that I wanted to be when I quit my full-time job so if it means that I have to work weekends I'm okay with that and what I do now is I have a dedicated amount of time on a Saturday and Sunday where I, I just I do work so I'll spend most of the day with my son and we'll go do really fun stuff probably probably actually a little bit too much because I'm trying to kind of soothe the mum guilt um and then <laughs> and then um 
once I put him to sleep in the evenings, I dedicate two or three hours um, on both a Saturday and Sunday to do a bit of work, but it will never be client work because I always feel like clients have hijacked my, my weekends. If I do that, it'll always be time to work on my business. Cool. Are you solo parenting? Yes. Man. It's, yeah, it's all, it's my timetable. <laughs> it's all my timetable. Actually, let's talk, you, you mentioned ever one, you know, one of the things you work on is, is marketing yourself, creating content. Uh, because I see you a lot on Instagram. It sounds like you do a lot on LinkedIn. Is that your main kind of marketing or? Yeah, I post a lot on LinkedIn because it works. One in five of my inquiries come from LinkedIn and I get a lot of verbal feedback from people telling me that they came across me on LinkedIn. So I know that works. So that will always be a priority for me. And then I post a lot on Instagram, which is actually a recent thing. I still despise the grid because I am really impatient and can't be bothered to come up with loads of hashtags. So (laughs) I just, I avoid the grid. It's really neglected. Uh, But I I love stories and I love engaging with people through stories and, you know, creating videos and sharing all that good stuff. What kind of stuff do you put on Instagram stories? A mixture of business and personal stuff. Because I feel like people engage best when when I'm talking about life and when I'm just being myself and I'm not too worried about, you know, being the professional business owner. And then, of course, I do mix in a lot of business. So I do talk a lot about my courses and my workshops and what I offer and, and that kind of stuff. And I found that in the past few months with me being more active on stories, that I'm getting a lot more inquiries through Instagram, which is completely new and crazy to me that it's actually working. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with it. But one my biggest, I think my biggest source of marketing as well is also my, my email list. I email weekly. And so I have a really kind of close, relationship as much as you can have a relationship with an email list and I get people talking to me through my emails and wanting to book inquiry calls through my emails but most importantly people refer me to other people so even if they don't want to hire me they recommend me to other people which is which is all I can ask for really I mean I think you're great on Instagram stories your personality does come across (laughs) thank you and but I remember, and, and this was when you won Non-Employee of the Week Award <laughs> back in the being freelance community, you'd, you'd said something about like everybody at the time at the beginning, maybe it was the beginning of the year. Yes. Everybody was talking about how to put my rates up, you know, and so on and so forth. But you, you came at it with a totally different language and approach. I think you were on Instagram stories saying, hey, I'm giving myself a pay rise. Was that right? If I, <laughs> yeah. if I misquoted you? Yeah, no, exactly. I'm giving myself a pay rise in the new year. So if you want to work with me on my lower rates, book me now before the new year hits. <laughs> did that work? It did. It did. Yeah. And I had I had people get in touch with me. And I remember one person in particular said, hey, I, I just I want to book an inquiry call before your rates go off, if that's okay. <laughs> So that that I guess creating that sense of urgency did work. But again, I I even on LinkedIn, I'm not concerned with being professional. I'm just myself and I find that that really works and people connect with you and and you know that's that's what copywriting is about anyway. It's just about connecting with people on a human level. So I do that through my social media too and I find that that's what works best. So I'm myself. I talk about money a lot on social media. I talk about the issues that copywriters have with people, you know, not wanting to pay them enough. I I struggled with that so much at the beginning. I used to have a lot of people come up to me, as most copywriters do and and most business owners, especially service-based business owners will. People saying, oh, you know, I can't afford that, but how about this? And then, you know, they throw out some ridiculous number. And I I talk about that a lot because I want people to know that that's, that I'm not, I'm not here for that. (laughs) I don't, I don't even... I don't even engage with that anymore. And as I've been more open talking about money and prices and rates, which again has been a very gradual thing that has it's taken a lot of time to get to this point. And, you know, my mentor has a big, is a big reason that I'm able to do this now, but I'm open about it. And, I, and so I find that I don't even have those conversations anymore. If somebody can't, you know, afford my rates, the conversation goes, oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's out of my budget. And my response is, that's completely fine. I, I completely get it. As opposed to, oh, that's so expensive. Don't you think your rates are a little bit high? Can't you do it for this price? 
Mm. I did love the the phrase of giving yourself a pay rise. It just frames it differently in the client's mind as well because they all want a pay rise. It's yeah. different to the costs going up. I liked it. Um, where do you work, by the way? You, you talked about getting a good work-life balance. Do you work from home or a co-workspace? Or? I, I don't work from home. I tried working from home. That didn't work for me. So I tried working from cafes. That did not work for me. Although I still do love... <laughs> I still love going to a cafe, but working there every day it doesn't work and I spend so much money. And so now I work in a co-working space, which... I, I love it. Uh, it's a really pretty co-working space. So you come in and you instantly feel, you know, inspired and just happy to be in such a nice space. And everyone here is so nice. So, you know, I, I spend my mornings working and then I can go to the cafe at lunch and sit down with someone and have lunch. So that social aspect is really important as well, because I found that I felt really isolated at the beginning. So, yes, I love working by myself, but I also realized that I do need to still communicate with other humans. Yeah, for sure. Do do you find that you're always thinking about work? Yeah, and I and I have no idea how to switch it off at all. Uh, yeah, always, <laughs> always. Yeah, I've got no answer. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help me either. You know, the... apart from I actually I think when when I am doing arts and crafts or playing uh, with with my daughter or you know playing football it, this, this sounds quite sexist between the boys and the girls but it's just what they like doing or I'm playing football with my son I do find that finally my mind it's them that drags me away from the work see I now I feel really bad because I have to work I have to work really hard to put my brain on pause even when I am kind of playing with with my son so I turn all notifications off I turn my emails off and it's still I feel like it's always running in the back of my head, even when it's not mm. at the front. But I do make an effort to really just be present and enjoy what we're doing. Uh, but I, I I do find the only time I'm completely switched off is when I'm at the gym. And and that's when I'm, you know, I'm running so hard that I can't breathe. I have to kind of focus on breathing. <laughs> so, so that's the only time my brain actually switches off. <laughs> is, is exercise a regular part of your routine? Yes. Um, it wasn't until about two years ago. I don't think I'd ever really stepped foot in a gym before that. Uh, and then I, someone recommended going to the gym just for, you know, your mental well-being and to stay healthy and all that good stuff. And so, so I did, but I found it really hard to go by myself. So I got a personal trainer and I, I've loved it since then. And most weeks I have a training session. I'm, I'm going through a bit of a bad period at the moment where I've kind of not been for <laughs> for a month-ish. But see, now I'm in that, that stage where, you know, you just feel really like, ugh, and then you just, you just need to get back in the gym. And so I'm at that point now where I remember why I started working out in the first place and it, it, that I really do need to to get back into it. So, yeah. I like the fact that you're you see the value in investing in your work and in your health and it's like yeah you you it can be you know some some of the, a lot of these things can seem expensive Absolutely. but you're going for it yeah and I, it took again it took me a really long time to get there but i've always felt pretty good about investing in my business and i've always been happy to invest in courses and mentors because i see the the results and it comes back so quickly and i truly believe in learning from people who know more than you if it's available to you I, you know I'm there but I found it really difficult to invest in in my health and my well-being so that's been a real mindset shift because yeah I had to sit down and just kind of have a talk with myself because you know I'm willing to invest in work but I'm not willing to invest in in me just being happy and healthy and well so I it, it hurts me a little bit, the investment that I make still with the training and the and the gym and all that stuff. But again, it's it's necessary. And I can see the effect that it has on me when I'm not doing that stuff. So it's important for me to stay with it. One thing we haven't touched upon, which I know you do, and again, because I've seen you talk about it on Instagram stories, so it works, <laughs> is you do live workshops, right? I do, yes. I, I started doing workshops a few months into being a freelance copywriter actually and I had a lot of you know imposter syndrome stuff going through my head you know who am I to run workshops and you know I've only been doing this for three months but actually I've always loved doing that kind of thing and so 
I thought, why not? And actually someone sat me down and said, and talk, I was talking to someone about it and they, and, and they said, well, what's stopping you from running workshops? And I said, I feel like I'm not expert enough because, you know, I've only been doing, I've only been a freelance copywriter for three months, although I had been copywriting for a few years by that point. And they said, well, what, what is an expert? What even is an expert and who decides what an expert is? And actually you only need to be a few months ahead of someone else to be more of an expert than them. And that really, that really changed the way that I thought about it. So I started doing the workshops. My first one went really well. I got really good feedback. So I continued and eventually I partnered up with Lloyds Bank, uh, my local bank in in the city centre. And I've been doing workshops for them and I do a workshop every two months for them. So one of them is a copywriting workshop about how to write your website and email marketing and all that stuff. And then the second is a blogging workshop. Both are for business owners and both are free. So I make a lot of, you know, great contacts through that as well. How did you end up working with Lloyds? Well, I went to one of their networking events and during their networking events, which they do monthly, they have a like a 20 minute slot for a speaker. And I remember who the speaker was actually, and she's doing a really good job. And 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 I just thought, I love pu- public speaking and I think I can do this. So why, why am I not doing this? And I kind of looked around and spotted someone in a Lloyd's uniform. And I just, I went up to her and I asked her, how might I get involved in this? How can I be a speaker? And she said, oh, actually you're talking to the right person because I manage the events. Uh, yeah so here's my business card drop me an email and we'll chat and we did and we we started talking about me doing a speaking event but when she followed me on LinkedIn and she saw that I was doing copywriting workshops she asked me to do a workshop instead Uh, so we did one workshop and that went really well and so they they asked me to to continue doing them so I've been doing that for almost I think it's been over a year now that I've been doing that for them maybe maybe nine months ish and yeah, so that that's how that went. I, I just really believe as well that if you don't ask, you'll never get. So, and the mm. worst that someone can say is no. So, you know, brilliant. So they pay you to do the course, even though the attendees get it for free because it's part of their helping the business, local business community. They, if I'm right, yeah. No, they do not pay me. It's completely. Oh, they don't free. pay you. Yeah, it's beg com- your pardon. No, it's fine. It's completely free. But it's interesting because you know I did sit down and and think about this, but. I found that number one, I had an issue pricing my own workshops because I would kind of get four or five people turn up to my paid workshops. And then, you know, eventually I realized that I think the problem, because I wanted, you know, more like 10 people in my workshops, I think I was underpricing my workshops. So people, not enough people were were buying the tickets because actually it was too cheap and it was £110 a ticket. But, you know, my competition on Eventbrite, when I checked it out, their copywriting workshops were 400 to 700 pounds so I thought well okay I can't put as much effort and resource into that because it takes so much energy to you know book the 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 venue to do all the marketing to you know do the presentation and then at that point it was a full day workshop and by the end of it I'd just be so exhausted and I wouldn't be able to do anything else for the rest of the day and then Lloyd's presented me with this opportunity which they and they were really upfront um right from the beginning and they said you know this isn't paid but everyone who you know does these workshops says that you know they, they have a lot of opportunities that come from it so I figured well why not let me try it and this was a two-hour workshop. I don't have to worry about marketing or, you know, sorting out the venue or anything. I, I literally came up with my presentation one time and I just, I show up on the day. Everything is already set up for me. I do my workshop and make sure that I get all the email addresses of everyone that attends. And then, you know, each time I create, a, you know, another 14, 15. I think my last workshop, I had about 20 people come. So, you know, 20 contacts that I can then stay in touch with. And some of those, you know, get in touch with me to talk to me about hiring me. And, you know, many of them don't because they're, they're business owners coming to a free event because, you know, they're right at the beginning of their business, uh, their business journey. But actually, those are the strongest relationships that I've created. And it's those who are always my biggest supporters and who are always, you know, tagging me in other posts of people looking for copywriters and who are sharing their my emails and sharing their you know opinions of me. And so it's been 
it's been really beneficial, even though I haven't been paid for it. And also it's brought me lots of other opportunities and not just in, you know, with workshops, like other people see me doing workshops and they automatically think, okay, well, she must know what she's talking about because she gets all these great testimonials. And it's it's actually brought a whole other heap of opportunities in terms of building my authority as a copywriter. Love it. It's like you've squeezed six years of career into (laughs) two years. I don't know about that, but I, I, you know, I really enjoy what I do. And I actually, I actually love running the business side of things, which is one of the things I was most scared about, but I actually really love that. So that helps a lot. I love, I was going to ask because there seemed to be, um, a, a, like right at the beginning of this, you said you wanted to start a business. You created a business name. You seem to approach it as a business. Maybe the fact that you invest in it is also because you're investing in a business rather than just in yourself. Like you do seem to have a very business approach to it rather than, hey, I love writing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe that comes from the fact that I've, I've always been surrounded by entrepreneurs. Four of the closest men to me are all business owners. I grew up watching them kind of appear at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, 11 o'clock in the morning, whenever they wanted. And I always used to think, what do they do that allows them to just be anywhere and everywhere whenever they want? And so, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, how did your family feel about you, you know, quitting your job and becoming, you know, self-employed, especially when you have a little boy. And actually they were all really supportive because I've, I've always grown up in that kind of environment where so many people around me are entrepreneurs and I always felt like that was what I was going to do but I just I really didn't have the confidence to brilliant now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me Iman okay so my first one is that I once sang for footballer Rio Ferdinand (laughs) okay my second is that I was born with a tooth. The third is that when I got my nose pierced, the piercing gun got stuck in my nose. <laughs> yeah. How long for? Like, how did, how did, oh my God. <laughs> did you just have to like leave the place with this? <laughs> oh no, this... I, well, I had full on <laughs> visions of me having to leave and go to A&E with this, you know, holding onto this piercing gun that was stuck in my nose. Uh, but it was stuck for a few minutes. And I was panicking and honestly, like, trying not to hyperventilate. And, and the person who got it stuck in my nose kind of, you know, was rushing around trying to find help. Um, and, yeah, and then she, she's like, it's okay, it's okay. And it sounded like, honestly, she was trying to convince herself more than she was trying to convince me. And, yeah, it was a nightmare. I, eventually, she decided that she, she was going to pierce it through again. So then I said, I think that's a really bad idea. What if, it, you know, you're going to pierce a second hole in my nose? And she... And she was like, no, no, I'm going to do it in exactly the same place. It'll be fine. And so she did. I mean, I didn't really have a choice, did I? But she she did. And then it came out naturally the second time. But it turns out, by the way, you're not supposed to use a piercing gun to pierce people's nose because obviously it's dangerous on so many levels. Whoa. Okay. There's so much detail in there. I feel like that's true. You were born with a tooth. Yes, I was born with a tooth. So I, I, I literally, I just I came out the womb like that. So my, I don't know, you know, what the different teeth are called, but it was my bottom tooth. So I was, I was just born with it. And this actually happens to one in 2000 um, babies. So one in 2000 babies are actually born with a tooth. And apparently it's called a natal tooth. And what happened is, you know, as my normal, you know, milk teeth kind of came through, that one just fell out and, um, yeah, the, the rest is normal. So I had my other milk teeth and then my adult teeth and it never really wow. made a difference. But your poor mum was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Please don't bite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and you sang for Rio Ferdinand, who, I mean, I'm sure he's famous in many countries in the world, but he's he's like a massive football star here in the UK. Did he play for Man United? Didn't yeah, he, yeah. And then yeah. I think he was the England captain. I mean, I, I've never been a great fan of football, but yeah, even I knew who he was at that point. <laughs> okay, so how did you end up singing for Rio Ferdinand? So I wanted to be a singer my entire life. And I actually, I dedicated a lot of time and energy to, to being a singer until I was about 17, 18. And uh, so I was always kind of on the lookout for auditions. And Rio Ferdinand was holding auditions for his new... Um, music label and 
yeah so we just it was an open call audition so you just turn up and sing and so I sang my audition song for him wow so he was actually there yeah you stood in front of a panel with Rio Ferdinand on it like almost like the X Factor but without being on TV exactly that's exactly what it was like and he was really nice he was really nice these all sound true excellent I didn't know Rio Ferdinand had a record label. Maybe that's because he doesn't. But equally, sounds like the sort of thing a footballer might start. And you live in Manchester, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I have heard what the name of the the tooth thing was, but I have Mm. heard of it. Okay. Even though the odds are against it, that could be true. But maybe it's just that you've heard of it, so you thought, I'll make that up. The piercing is horrific. (laughs) I think that has to be true. You've put me right off my crystal <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so, Rhea, so actually, I think the tooth isn't true, even though I, be, I believe that it exists. I don't think it's true. I think you sang for Rio. You had a nose piercing incident. The tooth is the lie. Oh, you're right. I'm so disappointed. Yes. <laughs> I, I honestly brainstormed for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Nothing is a mistake in business. I think everything is just a lesson learned. And as long as you can learn from it and do better next time, I really, I really do believe that nothing is a mistake. Iman, thank you so much. It's been really, really lovely chatting to you. Thank after you. Having you in the community and also seeing your Instagram stories for so long. I told you, like, this is the trouble. We only ever see where people are at. We don't see everything that comes before it. So that's why I love it. Thank you so much. Thank go you. Go to beingfreelance.com. Click through. You will find links so that you can go and find Iman online and reach out to her. Check out Ink House copy and all of that. Anyway, links at beingfreelance.com as there are for all of our guests. If you've enjoyed this, please consider leaving a review. You can also buy me coffee and biscuits if you like what I do with being freelance. There's a link at beingfreelance.com slash coffee. And speaking of being freelance and being a parent, the other podcast that I co-host with Frankie from the Doing It For The Kids community, it is called Doing It For The Kids, funnily enough. So if you uh, are a freelance parent, please do give that a look as well. It's called Doing It For The Kids. But for now, Iman, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs)